I'm here to save you. I don't need saving. Nice to see you. Load up. The Terminator. I've been trying to teach him to blend in. I know it needs work. Who are you people? We're here to stop the end of the world. Let's do what she wants. It's way easier. Terminator Genesis. In real D3D and IMAX 3D. Rated PG-13. Hello everyone, this is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. That was a little TV spot for Terminator Genesis, which I went to see yesterday and was very, very cool. Lots of fun. Arnold's back in action as the Terminator, which is just fan... It's fantastic, you know? Yeah, it's fantastic. Where's Chris when you need him? <laughs> Today is uh, July 5th, uh, 2015. Happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day, plus one day. To all my friends in the United States, and uh, this will be podcast 546, yes. So today, we're going to do something a little different this week. Uh, I've, I'm kind of getting a late start uh, due to uh, several things, but uh, I'm going to talk about Star Trek technology. Uh, you know, obviously, many of us know that a lot of things that were shown on Star Trek, the original series, Next Gen, and other Trek uh, series have, have basically almost pretty much come to pass uh, that we take for granted these days. So I thought that'd be kind of a fun conversation. I'm going to use a lot of YouTube uh, clips in this because there's a lot of people that have covered this topic uh, in different ways. So I thought that might be kind of a different way to do it. And I'll talk a little bit about Terminator Genesis, uh, of course, and some other uh, sci-fi movie stuff, TV and so forth uh, here on Treks in Sci-Fi. And to open the show uh, a little bit here, instead of our normal credit sequence, I wanted to play this little clip from uh, an original series Star Trek episode, The Omega Glory, which is super appropriate for Independence Day here in the United States. And I, I just I just get a kick out of this clip uh, at this time of year. So listen to this, and I'll be right back for the rest of the show. Look at these three words written larger than the rest, with a special pride never written before. Or since tall words proudly saying, We the people, that what you call Eid Plebnista, was not written for the chiefs or the kings or the warriors or the rich or the powerful, but for all the people. Down the centuries, you have slurred the meaning out of the words, We the people of the United States. In order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, to ordain and establish this constitution, these words and the words that follow were not written only for the Yangs, but for the Koms as well. The Koms? They must apply to everyone, or they mean nothing. Do you understand? I do not fully understand one named Kirk. But the holy words will be obeyed. I swear it. <laughs> about his guilt, Captain. But does our involvement here also constitute a violation of the Prime Directive? We merely show them the meaning of 
what they were fighting for. Liberty and freedom have to be more than just words. Gentlemen, the fighting is over here. I suggest we leave them to discover their history and their liberty. I uh, hope you uh, accept, uh, for those outside the U.S., my little patriotic moment there for the 4th of July. <laughs> anyway, welcome again to Treks and Sci-Fi, your weekly dose of geeky goodness and entertainment and fun. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it's the it was the 4th of July here in the U.S. yesterday. Uh, really uh, nice weather this weekend in Michigan, so I had some good good times tons of fireworks going off here last night scared Kaylee scared the dog a lot she does not like those loud noises you know that it's it's pretty much um it's it, you don't seem to be able to light off fireworks without having a bang or something uh, whistle or or whatever I used to light more you know stuff off and I don't really even do anything anymore we can usually see a lot from our house uh, there's a lake nearby and on our second floor, we can see a lot of fireworks that they shoot off. A lot of times it's over the uh, right on the 4th of July they do it, and they did last night. And then a lot of people in the neighborhood, uh, a few years ago, Michigan allowed, uh, or, or we used to not be able to buy the bigger fireworks here, and now you can do that. People used to have to run down to Ohio and, and, and smuggle fireworks back to Michigan. Uh, you could just buy sparklers and a few little things here. But a few years, maybe a good five years now, I think it's been, you can buy the big stuff. So, uh, yeah, 4th of July, uh, not, not a real geeky time of year, but uh, it's fun. And uh, so that, um, yeah, so that's about enough about that, I guess. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, other stuff, geeky things. First off, I want to also uh, mention uh, the Patreon, uh, Trex and Sci-Fi Patreon. So Patreon is a fund, crowdfund, crowdfunding, <laughs> crowdfunding type of uh, platform for places, podcasts, movies, uh, little web series, whatever people want to do, projects. Uh, just go over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Trex in Sci-Fi or just search for Trex in Sci-Fi and it's Patreon if you don't remember. There's links to on the the website, the forum, uh, also the um, uh, Facebook group. I've been kind of updating people. So the what I'm trying to really do here is give people an easy way to donate. You know, just a couple of dollars a month, which you know, hopefully is not too hard on on really most people. Uh, you know, I don't think a dollar to a month to support podcasts that you like uh, is is a lot by any means. And I. But the uh, the main target that I'm trying to do at first is create a uh, a more uh, elaborate video set for video casts with different screen displays and sort of make it look a little bit like the original series Bridge to a degree. Not nearly that elaborate. I don't really have the space uh, or the ability to do something that big. But I kind of kind of think of it as a little sort of piece of it and 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 a little uh, a little fun. I think that. Uh, We'll go to making uh, vidcasts a little bit more elaborate and interesting and be able to allow me to put up different displays of images and video while I'm doing the show. 
So uh, if uh, you got a dollar or two extra per month, uh, that's the way this works. You donate there and you just uh, sign up for a dollar, two, three, four, five, whatever. Thanks again to those who have done it so far. I'm, I'm still not quite at the goal I wanted to have for doing this redesign. I, uh, I'm trying to sort of work on it a little bit at a time right now and hope to have it uh, moving along a bit more here in the near future. So again, thanks and uh, thanks in advance to anybody else who signs up. I, that's very much appreciated. And again, patreon.com forward slash treks and sci-fi. Okay, so uh, I think the first thing I'll talk about since it's fresh in my mind, I just saw it yesterday, is Terminator Genesis. I won't talk, uh, of course, I won't spoil this any more than <laughs> they've kind of spoiled it in the trailers already in a way. I mean, there's a lot of this movie that's been shown in the trailers. And I have to say, I, I like the movie a lot, very much enjoyed it. And I think it would have been more interesting and more enjoyable if I hadn't seen so many trailers this uh it's usually not that big of a problem to watch trailers for movie and but boy they gave away quite a few things in the trailers but i i still enjoyed it great to see arnold schwarzenegger back as the terminator and in in a different you know in a couple different ways he's probably in like you know three or four different versions of him in this movie uh, and i don't think that's giving away anything because you can see that from the trailers too uh, but um this is sort of a reimagining, a retelling, a reinvention of what happened in the first movie to a degree with some overlap with some of the other movies also. And that I'm not going to explain too much because I don't want to give it all away. But I think they do a pretty slick job of sort of rebooting the series. Uh, we have uh, Amelia Clark. Is that how you say her first name? You know, she plays Daenerys uh, on a Game of Thrones. She is in this movie as Sarah Connor. We have another character, or another actor named Clark Jason Clark. I think is his name. He plays John Connor, her son, and he was most recently seen in last summer's Apes of Film. You'll probably recognize him if you saw that movie. And uh, I think the guy's name is Jay Courtney. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, he is. Um, I don't know why I can't think of uh, the other uh, character's name right now. Ah, uh, yes, here we go. I, uh, he is a Kyle Reese, of course, um, who comes back, uh, you know, to to save uh, save Sarah Connor. And we have J.K. Simmons in this movie. Matt Smith is in this movie. Uh, really great, fantastic cast. And of course, Arnold is there. Uh, he gets kind of a nickname in this movie, which is new and different. And I won't say anything about that. But uh, yeah, I, I really much, you know, I love the Terminator films, especially, of course, the first first two. And the second, you know, was just probably one of the, at the time that that second Terminator movie came out was probably one of the biggest action films for the summer we, we'd ever seen. And it just blew every sort of way of doing a movie, uh, you know, for the, for that kind of time frame, you know, with the liquid Terminator and all the effects they did and just the action, uh, it's just a really great, uh, film. So I, I think this movie can, you know, does a good job of, uh, following in that trend, a uh, ton of action. And, and again, a pretty solid story. Uh, you know, a few things that you wonder about at different times in this movie, uh, anytime you involve time travel, it gets a little crazy and a little bit hard to eh, you, you think about like well why don't they just do this or well, you know why you know it seems seems like there are in a way different or easier paths to take but uh, so 
yeah, I saw it, enjoyed it. I, I wish that a couple of people hadn't brought in their little babies for the movie. I don't understand that. Again, I, I, I've i seen people bring in little, little kids, and it's not so much that I'm worried about what they're going to see on screen because these, these kids are babies. I mean, they're literally like two years old. I don't think anything's going to register really, but, um, you know, I think it's just kind of – you couldn't find a sitter, really? You know, I know maybe you want to see the movie, but uh, dragging a little two-year-old along to a movie with people I think is kind of rude. Just going to say it. So, um, but they settled down at one point or later on more. Uh, but, yeah, there was a lot of shushing going on in the audience. So, so yeah, I'm trying to keep up with things. I, I don't know what I talked about the last time, but I've seen, you know, Jurassic Park. Uh, Tomorrowland. Oh, we did that movie show anyway. So I think I've covered pretty much what I've seen. Of course, we have Ant-Man uh, coming next. Uh, I guess it's the next big one. Oh, I saw Inside Out also. Lynn and I went and saw that just a couple of days ago. That's a great movie, that Pixar movie. I wanted to call it that Pixel movie, but that's another movie that's coming out soon in a week or two. So, um, But uh, Inside Out is just fantastic. I think it's actually a little bit more... Well, not even a little bit. I think it's a lot more for adults in a way a movie than it is for kids. I think little kids, they may they'll probably get a kick out of it and enjoy it. But man, th- th- this movie has some deep stuff in it, and it, it, I laughed so hard and and like practically had was practically crying and laughing, you know, all at the same time. And, and it was just, I mean, even the last few minutes of the movie are are just just killed me. It was just great. And and there again, there's a lot of good meaning in there too, which I found. I found, uh, you know, that Pixar does that. You know, they they they're they're fantastic in not making just this little fun animated movie, but also also putting kind of some meat on the bones and and making it uh, uh, just just a great movie for adults as well. Probably again, like I said, a better movie for adults in a way than for little kids. This one, there were some little kids in the theater, and and I think they were a little restless at times that I saw. And maybe didn't quite get a lot of it, but uh, yeah, go see that, especially for the older older people. People probably listening to this podcast, I think you'll love it. Um, I think that's it for movie talk, pretty much. Uh, we we've talked about that, I, I you know last week. I think it was the Skype call about movies anyway. So got a lot of other things to cover. Oh, I wanted to mention now. I'll probably say it at the end of the show as well. But there will be no podcast next next weekend. No no podcast of any kind. No guest show. No nothing next weekend i i'm going out leaving next uh next weekend for a little more than a week for a trip to europe to germany for work so hey follow me on uh i'm rico underscore d on instagram uh, and follow me you know on the forums and everything i'll be posting up photos and stuff from my work trip but uh yeah so there'll be no show next week so i wanted to mention that now i'm going to take a little tiny break short break and i'll come back talk a little bit about some of the tv stuff i've been watching and then we'll get into the discussion about star trek technology trek tech we'll call it trek tech yeah i'm jen and i'm angela from the anomaly podcast and you're listening to treks and sci-fi All right, television. Uh, still watching, uh, enjoying very much the Sci-Fi Friday Night lineup. Uh, reminds me of the old days when uh, when Farscape was on Fridays. 
the shows there are Defiance, uh, we have Killjoys, and Dark Matter. I'm really enjoying Killjoys a lot. I still like Defiance a lot. I've watched that since it started. This is its third season. And Dark Matter, uh, it's growing on me. I, I like it. I'm still watching it. I'm actually an episode behind, I think, still. I still got to watch. But, uh, yeah, I, I I like them all. Uh, it's, it's, again, funny that there's this much to watch over the summer. We have that other show, uh, Stitchers, that's on about the girl that uh, she can uh, be uh, mentally linked with a, with a recently dead person's mind and, and learn what they saw and what some of their memories are. So that's good. Oh, the the really to me the 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 two shows I'm enjoying the most is the second season of Halt Catch Fire, about the computer uh, folks working in the '80s and the early days of computers and bulletin boards and you know way way before most people had a personal computer, way way before most people were online and all that. Uh, Halt and Catch Fire season two, season one was great. Season two is is fantastic as well. Uh, but the other really interesting show, and I've watched now two episodes, two they've shown so far, is Mr. Robot on the USA Network. And that this show, you know, the Mr. Robot title is kind of a little weird in my opinion. It has nothing to do with robots, uh, although there's another show that does, which I'll talk about in a moment. But this show is about a basically a, a vigilante hacker, we'll call him, named Elliot, who gets involved with a, kind of a, a couple of things. One is this... Uh, sort of subversive side hacking group that wants to kind of take down society. The group is called F Society on, on the uh, on the show. And 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 for a while Elliot, he, he's he's a, a a very good hacker. So he's used sort of his hacking skills to sort of get rid of people that were not that good, that did bad things and he would sort of come to them and expose them and say, "Hey, you stop doing this or I'll get all, I'll send all this information to the police or the authorities or whatever." But there's a lot of other things going on with this. There there's this internal dialogue that he has sort of with himself. He's he's kind of a messed up individual. So you you wonder sometimes if if everything that's happening to him is real or not uh, completely. Uh, has a little Fight Club, uh, uh, you know, sort of, sort of feel to it, and as well as the the TV show, uh, the Showtime show Dexter, because he's this vigilante trying to to do good in a way, and even though he's messed up and, and has some demons of his own, so can't recommend that show enough. Uh, if you like computers and and the idea of the little guy taking on you know big evil corporations, uh, which in the show there is a a place called Evil Corp. Uh, it uh, it's definitely a show for you. Then it's on USA. I think it's on Wednesday evenings in the states. Uh, I'm not sure where. If if you guys in the other parts of the country or parts of the uh, not country but world uh, have uh, this ability to see this show yet, but uh, highly highly suggest you you know try to find it and and, and check it out. So uh, enjoying that one a lot. And we have uh, returning shows. A couple other ones. The Last Ship. Uh, about a plague that's uh, it was it's its second season and that has been good I really enjoy that and of course um, Falling Skies is back as well so plenty of of cool fun summer television to be watching for us sci-fi and and fantasy and geeks out there uh, to to watch and and just you know have a ball and uh yeah, it, it's just as almost as much on, on now as there is during the regular year. Well, maybe not quite that much, but uh, 
And there's a couple other things that I'm watching. I'm trying to finish up the, the second season of Silicon Valley on HBO. Of course, Game of Thrones is done for its run this season. And But, uh, yeah, ton of stuff to see, uh, of course, at the movie theaters and on the home screen. So I think that covers it. And I think it's now time to get into start talking about Star Trek technology. Let me take one more short break, and then we will get into that subject here in a moment. This is Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, and you're listening to Trex in Sci-Fi. You remember, there can be only one. Okay, uh... Where do we start with uh, Trek Tech and talking about Star Trek technology? I guess we'll talk about the original series. You know, I, of course, grew up on watching the reruns of the original series. And and some of my favorite things with the original series were some of the props and prop rep, you know, not prop replicas, but um, just these new tools that the show used, like, of course, the communicator, the phaser, the tricorder, uh, Dr. McCoy's hypo spray. It just all these little devices and things that they had around uh, to make their lives easier. Universal Translator. Just, you know, things that solved basically a problem. Things, uh, tech, I've always been a, a tech head kind of a guy. I like science and technology a lot and, and I always feel like, you know, if there's if there's a way to do it, you know, people will come up with with something to to solve a problem or to make life life easier and, and to make uh, 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 you know to come up with a solution for something. So, I thought one of the things that I would mention here is talk about a uh, a designer named Wa Ming Chang, uh, who's who's really one of the great unsung heroes of Trek. Uh, that uh, some listening will probably know his name. I know Brian knows who this guy is. And uh, he was an artist and a sculptor, animator, worked in Hollywood for a long, long time, worked on a lot of things. He worked on some of the special effects on the Time Machine for the 1961 film. Uh, and uh, he, he, the the sad part about this is... is um, Waming Chang's name is is never is never on any credits in any uh, original series Star Trek episodes, but uh, his contribution was was just undeniable. Uh, first off, in the first pilot, he designed some of the Telosian heads that you see in that pilot episode, the cage. Um, but um, but the uh, the first real contribution probably that they made is uh, they needed a weapon for the crew. They were, of course, needing some form of protection, uh, a weapon, some, you know, kind of laser gun of some kind. And uh, <clears throat> Gene Roddenberry had, had him basically, there were a couple of other designs first, and then uh, Waming Cheng, he, he took a crack at it, and he delivered basically the perfect prop, something that immediately looks like some kind of a pistol a gun but it does look futuristic and it doesn't look even to this day to me it doesn't look like a buck rogers ray gun it looks like something maybe that would be able to really do something uh but uh by the way i'll mention there is that cool uh tv remote phaser prop that you can still get over on uh, the Star Trek dot uh, com site and in the store there, the Think Geek I think has it as well. Uh, fantastic piece, uh, a replica of that phaser. 
so there, you know, this this shoot a, shot out a beam of light of of amplified light that, or phased light that could you know stun someone, which was great for you know nighttime television. You didn't want to always kill everybody, uh, and or or it could vaporize them, or it could heat things up uh, and so forth. So um, he also designed the tricorder, though of course the tricorder that Spock and Dr. McCoy uses quite often. Uh, that we see, you know, this device, this multi-purpose device that can uh, send, you know, take sensor type readings and just do a variety of things. Basically, it's like a little mini computer when you think about it. Uh, and we'll talk more about that here in, in a little while. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's a portable uh, computation device. And of course, we have the communicator, the flip style communicator that is a, uh, you know, really obvious to see these days to the early cell phones that flipped open like the the razor and other ones uh is definitely a direct uh the look of what that communicator is directly influenced later on uh real cell phone designs and this of course was a way to communicate with the ship uh they needed some long-range communications device of course back in the original series that no one really thought about doing a lot of video communications to the ship uh and they kept it strictly audio. Even when they got to, you know, like TNG and everything, even and had the little comm badges, it was still really just generally audio, uh, unless you were at a terminal of some kind that showed a screen, which I think is kind of makes sense when you think about it. I mean, even in this day where we can video uh, chat with people, most of the time when people talk to people, if you're out and about in your car or whatever or at work, you tend to just do it through voice. You even uh, um, the you know it's 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 rare that anyone video conferences. It, it does doesn't happen very often. I mean, I know places do it, but usually a quick call isn't video. Uh, and so the fact that they're just using audio here in Star Trek, I think, makes sense to me as well. But uh, back to Waming Cheng, you know, he he worked on a lot of other things too. Uh, he worked on uh, some of uh, things like uh, the Tribbles, the the Romulan Bird of Prey ship, the Salt Vampire, uh, and and just a lot of things throughout Star Trek. And I, I wanted to make mention of him because those designs, when you when you look at those things, uh, really later on were used on on other devices that are used to this day. So uh, wanted to talk about that at least at the beginning and. Uh, of course, there are many other things in in the original series that later on uh, we, we kind of take for granted, like uh, like the bio beds, for example, in sick bay. You know, those have been worked on for a while, and I guess are still you know are being used in places. But uh, I've got some uh, audio clips and people, other people talking about Trek tech that go into a little bit of that here that I'll play in a few moments. But uh, to me, it's amazing. Uh, so if we get past um, get past the original series and you start talking and looking at uh, what what they developed further for like say TNG a couple of big things come to mind for me one is the use of these pads you know in, in TNG there are uh, different at many different times and they had sort of a large uh, writing pad in the original series as well a lot of times you would see a yeoman hand that to Kirk uh, and he would sort of sign off on something. So you can imagine it was displaying some kind of report. He had to sort of sign off on it, which is, you know, very much like, uh, 
you know, handwriting recognition that they have these days and the ability to, to sign your name to something almost like when you do, when you, you charge something at a store and, and sign off on it. And now of course, everyone's using their thumbprint. So, uh, maybe when a new future Trek show will, uh, will, will come to be, you know, people will be using like retinal scans and thumbprints and a lot of bio um sensor type stuff to recognize people rather than having to write something because if the technology gets to the point where we're out there flying around from star to star and you would think the computer would be able to know who you are just by sensing you you know your your particular set of uh you know blood pressure and specific you know whatever uh, em you know that you give off i don't know but uh I, i have visions and thoughts that the crude idea of having to write your name down probably won't be the case, you know, in it, in a couple of hundred years from now. Um, but back to TNG, yeah, two things, uh, pads, uh, of course you see those used by Picard a lot, uh, different crew people. There was a couple of times in TNG where Picard has, you know, all these pads all laying over his desk and, one of the things that, as I see that now, which I think is interesting, is that it, it seems like in TNG, they had more of this idea that the pads had very unique, special uh, purposes. Like, you would not just have sort of a pad that would be universal, like we have now, like a, like an iPad or an Android tablet or something, where you can do a lot of different functions on the same device. Uh, in in Star Trek TNG especially, it seemed like it was very much like, hey, here's a here's some data on something, and you'd get a pad of that, and here's some other data or some other information, or maybe you need to just have a, a different, you know, more of an engineering style pad or a medical type pad or or a security type pad that they had different functions. So there was, and they had of course different size ones too, but they made it look much more like you had to have a lot of individual pads around to do different things, different functions. They were more specialized. And maybe, you know, maybe one day we'll get that way too. That will happen uh, where, you know, these days I think, you know, there, there are people that have a Kindle maybe to just read books and they have an iPad for other things. And maybe they have a smartphone that's almost as big as some of the smallest pads on, on Star Trek. So, yeah, there are people, if you're really into tech, that have a lot of multiple screen type small screen devices. So uh, I guess that, you know, that wasn't too far off the mark. And uh, But, you know, now I think we're much more inclined to think, you know, you can have one or two maybe pad type devices to do a lot of different things. So that was, you know, if you look at some of those things, both on that and on Deep Space Nine and Voyager, that, that was definitely a precursor to what we see in iPads and, and that these days. The, uh, the other thing that I think about with a lot of our virtual reality type talk and computer gaming and other things is the, uh, the holodeck. You know, the, the holodeck, of course, uh, first sort of saw it in the Star Trek animated series and really came to be in, in the in TNG and later Star Trek series where, you know, you had to go, you go to this large open space and through force fields and projections and, 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 you know, replication, they were able to create this environment that looked basically like you were in a park or, or in a cafe or a pool hall or whatever setting you wanted to put, put together or a dance hall, whatever, you would be able to go into the room, have the computer program that. And I think we're, 
I, I, I certainly could see in, say, 10, 15, 20 years from now, houses being built with specific sort of like hollow projection rooms or rooms that are meant for entertainment and gaming. Maybe you go in there and you're more immersed in a movie or a game. And uh, I, it, it's it's really this idea of having these monster big headsets on your head sitting at a desk uh, for a virtual look at things is, I, I think... A stepping stone. I, I don't think people are going to really like that very much. I think it's the same one of the one of the same kind of reasons why 3D uh, has not taken off in the home very much, because of the we're having to wear glasses. I don't think people they, people don't like to have to do or wear other things to make something happen, uh, and even just something as simple as glasses, uh, they don't want to do that. So. Uh, so I think a holodeck, you know, having a room with all kinds of special camera devices that can project things and, and make you feel like you're there to get to the point where you can it feels like something real, where you have um, a tactile sensation of, of touching a real solid object. I think we're a long way off from that. But be able to sit down like in the middle of a room and feel like you're on a beach in uh you know the the Caribbean. I think is 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 very doable, and we're not that far off from that. So those are a couple of things from TNG that I think were really uh, definitely foreshadowing the the tech that we've got these days. I, I I really hope that when we do get a new Star Trek series, that they really try to bend things and twist and and come up with some far out tech that's that's way way much more advanced than we've seen before so because i think they've been kind of stuck really and we've almost caught up to it in in many ways there's a lot of this stuff that we we kind of use in our daily lives now that was shown in 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 series that are set hundreds of years from now so i think we need to come up with something that's even more advanced than that whether it's neural implants that allow you to control the ship through just your mind or or whatever it happens to be lots you know you can really get crazy with what you're what you want to do and think but but the point of this and the point of this podcast was going to be mostly about trek you know sort of foreshadowing a lot of tech that that came to be and you know science fiction has always been uh, a, a breeding ground for uh, inventors and scientists basically like hey that was pretty cool why don't we do that why don't we invent that so uh, the the thing I want to do now, I think I'm going to take uh, take a break from myself at least, but you will be listening to. I, I've got a couple of clips kind of earmarked here on YouTube that I want to play where other guys talk a little bit about Star Trek technology, how uh, what we've seen on Star Trek has come to be. And I thought this would be neat to play some of this, get a little different, different perspective on on how uh, Trek technology has been uh, kind of incorporated into our lives that we, uh, you know, go day to day with and and enjoy. So uh, listen to this and I'll be back. Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Today we're going to talk about the technology within Star Trek that has become true today. Star Trek is known for predicting tons of technological achievements, such as cell phones, Bluetooth, flat screen TVs, Skype, iPads, and talking computers. Hello, computer. 
all of these gadgets existed in the Star Trek universe far before they became a reality. And now we're going to update you on the new developments in technology. The first item on our list is something you probably already heard of, Virtual Display, aka Google Glass. In Star Trek, members of the super evil group The Dominion didn't bother using flat screen monitors to surf the web, but a trippy looking headset with one eyepiece that projected computer imagery through their optic nerve and into their brain. They could watch streaming video of the outside of the ship, receive messages, and video chat with other evil Dominion leaders, just like Google Glass. Next, let's revisit a classic that's finally being made today, the medical tricorder. Though it proved to have virtually no limitations in terms of scanning, it is most famous for its ability to diagnose pretty much anything. Severe theta radiation poisoning. Today's equivalent of tricorders are capable of diagnosing most ailments in the human body without needing to see a doctor. Just by placing it on your left temple, this Scanadu Scout can provide results for pulse transit time, heart rate, temperature, blood oxygenation, and more. Diagnosing anything from abdominal cramps to shingles, it's quite an upgrade from your thermometer. Next up on our list, an overlooked essential for all interstellar space travel. Transparent aluminum? What did you think space windows were made of? When the Enterprise crew traveled back to 1986, Scotty handed over the formula for creating the super strong yet incredibly thin glass that proved to hold up against nearly everything the universe threw at it. That's the ticket, laddie. Due to Scotty's interference with the timeline, transparent aluminum armor is now marketed as Alon by the Cermet Corporation. The armor can resist a 50 caliber armor-piercing bullet and anti-aircraft weapons, all while being half the weight and thickness of typical bulletproof glass. Okay, let's move on to something that will truly change your life. Computer, one slice of New York cheesecake. The Food Replicator. It's the biggest menu, the fastest delivery, and will probably make you gain 50 pounds if you own one. The food replicators featured in Star Trek reproduced any foodstuff programmed into its database with a single voice command. The replicator can make anything you desire. How do I know what I desire? And the real version looks like this. Okay, it's not quite as fast, but it's freshly made food at the touch of a button. Just recently, NASA has commissioned a design of a 3D food printer capable of making pizza in space to satisfy the indulgences of astronauts, which is the best use of tax dollars. Happy with our list? No! Well, we can't please... No! Calm down. Thank you for watching. Subscribe for more wonderful things. Yeah, I think that was a pretty good rundown there on uh, a different Star Trek that's uh, tech that's, uh, you know, come to pass. Uh, food replicator is, is kind of a hard one, I think. <laughs> Unless you're making, I, I, I think you can make a food replicator that makes a couple of different styles of food now. You know, something kind of flat on bread with some kind of different layering. Like the uh, video there showed it making what looked like kind of like a Pop-Tart instead of a pizza, but I think you know, something layered with dough with some kind of a filling in between and, and, and that you could do replicate that. Uh, but the, the idea of making something for as far like reaching as a steak to ice cream to a salad is a long way off, I think. But it was uh, interesting, I think, to see the different uh, types of things, you know, a couple that I hadn't even really mentioned yet. Uh, like uh, when they talked about Bluetooth, you know, remember Uhura always had that little earpiece in her ear uh, on the bridge, which allowed her to um, listen to, you know, communications and that without having a, a cord connected to it and and also playing through speakers, which would just, you know, disturb and disrupt other things that are going on on the bridge uh, makes really perfect sense. Some kind of an earpiece or something in her, in her ear 
to to pick up on transmissions, but uh, not wired, of course. You know, none of the things, you know, wires are definitely something that you don't see a lot of on Star Trek. You know, you don't see a lot of things connected by wires. I can think of like a couple of times where data was being uh, worked on by Geordi or, or whatever, and they would plug something into data's port on his head and then run a wire down to a console. Sometimes I think that was just more for a look that people could uh, like quickly understand, hey, data's connected into the computer, but most likely just like your phones and your iPads and that, if you had something as sophisticated as as data and Android, you'd think he could pretty much just walk over near a council or, or whatever, and he'd be able to be kind of Wi-Fi'd in and connected in and updated and, and worked on without actually having a physical connection to that. Although, you know, I got to say, no, nothing better than a physical wired connection to to, uh, to do things when you when you don't want to worry about any other problems or interference or speed. Uh, so it, it probably it's still probably going to be true in the future that having a, a direct connection is always going to be a better thing. And speaking of data, you know, one of the big things, of course, is, is data himself and Android. I just watched, I don't think I mentioned in my TV talk, because it really, frankly, didn't impress me that much. I've only watched the first episode, but there's a new show called Humans on AMC that started last week about uh, sometime set in the distant, you know, not too distant future, uh, where very human-looking, just like Data, androids, even more human-looking than Data. You know, Data had that sort of gold skin and funny eyes and everything uh, to just sort of set him apart. Uh, from the rest of the crew, I think, in a way was, you know, hey, he's an android. He's not human. I, I think they could have easily made him look completely human and, and let acting alone take you uh, to the point to make you understand and believe that he's not a human. Uh, like they're doing on this human show, which, you know, the, the, um, the replicants or the replicants, the robots or androids or whatever you want to call them on this show look look precisely like humans. There's no... I guess their eyes, they kind of gave them some funky eyes, but that's about it. But I, I, you know, think that, and I saw that movie too, not too long back, Ex Machina. I think we're really getting not very far away from having more and more realistic uh, android-like, you know, robots to help us, serve us, and, and just like in the Terminator movies, maybe overthrow us at some point. I just want to make sure I know where the off switch is. On the uh, human show, it's just a little tap under their chin that, that supposedly, well, the, the few times they showed it in the first episode, turns them on, turns them off. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, the Asian, especially uh, part of the world in, in, in Japan, I, they seem to just be going gaga, you know, for trying to make more and more realistic, synthetic-type humans and, and to... To both do uh, manual work and also to be companions or aides or, you know, one of the uh, things about that human show I thought was interesting was there's an older guy in the show uh, that uh, has a human or uh, android type companion. And and I I think about that a lot, uh, you know, when I, you know, my parents are getting older, Lynn's parents and stuff like that. So to to be able to have some uh, form of, you know, mechanical aid for them like in this in the show humans one of the first things after they pick up their new little uh home helper that they have her do is drive them home you know we're taught we've um for a long time it's it's been talked about having these um self-driving cars google's working on that but the uh 
you know, well, if you can make a uh, a mechanical person, you know, hey, you don't need a car to drive you home anymore. Let let the let this mechanical person do it. Although the the finesse and skill and and all that involved in driving, I still think a, a, a car that's designed with all the sensors and everything needed to do that rather than a, a, a computerized person would be the way we'd get get it first by far, which we're going to get here. Uh, they already can do it, obviously, in, in uh, uh, you know, not a full production scale yet, but I think we're just a few years away from seeing more and more autonomous cars out there, cars that, uh, you know, somebody needs a, a taxi-type ride. They'll just have a car with no driver show up. And it'll take you to wherever you want it to be. I first time I get into one of those, I don't know. I'm not going to feel very comfortable. <laughs> I, I can already tell. Uh, I like driving myself. Uh, I just took a drive uh, for work the other day down to Ohio for a few hours and uh, one day, and then back the next day. But uh, I, you know, I I think I'm a pretty good driver. But I having a machine be able to adapt. Like there was a lot of construction and a machine being able to constantly take all that new input and adapt to changing situations that that's the key thing that i keep thinking about with cars that can drive themselves is is the 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 change in road conditions the change in traffic the change in whatever is going on the environment around you being able to adapt for all those different situations that's what makes humans human you know our ability to adapt and, and adjust and each time something like that happens, each little piece of that, that all has to be programmed in. All those things, all those possibilities need to be kind of accounted for. And you could say, yay, but Rico, you know, they can just have a bunch of sensors on the car and it can handle all that. And I'm like, yeah, but I keep thinking about what what happens if, you know, somebody darts across the street in front of you. Will the sensor be good enough and quick enough to 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 adjust for that? I, I mean, people aren't, you know, people get hit all the time when things like that happen. I'm not saying the reflexes of a machine or the programming of that into a machine can't get as good or even better than a person. But at the beginning of all this, in these early stages, that's what I wonder about until they get it sort of fine-tuned. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. If every car out there was self-driving and, and, and no one jaywalked and there were no squirrels that ran out under the road or deer... I, I I think we could do it and be fine, but it's um it's this in between time that I wonder about. But uh, but yeah, there's there's just a ton of very cool stuff from Trek, and that's why you know heck, it's another reason why I want to see Star Trek back on TV. I want to see some new cool stuff that we can get in a few years from now. Most of this stuff has been done to a point. Uh, I um I've got another uh, clip here. I think this one's about five minutes or so, four minutes. And this, this one doesn't go quite into as many things, but they go into a little more depth for each one. It's called Five Star Trek Gadgets That Became Real. Uh, so I'm going to play this one from you. This is from uh, some guys called How Stuff Works on YouTube. So listen to this, and I'll be back in a few minutes, moments, whatever. Earl Grey hot. This is coffee, black, lukewarm. Market, dude. Tea Earl Grey hot. 
Didn't you order tea, sir? Tea, Earl Grey. Didn't you order tea, sir? Hot, hot, hot. Since it first aired in 1966, we've created tech just as good as Star Trek. Sometimes even better, except transporters, but who wants their atoms scattered all over space anyway? The most ubiquitous Star Trek gizmo we have today is the communicator, or as we call them, cell phones. On Star Trek, they were more like those annoying push-to-talk devices popular in the 90s. Even the next generation communicator badges are possible today. We have similar badges that can link people over wireless networks or use Bluetooth to connect to our phone contacts to enable voice messaging. Please, Spock, do me a favor and don't say it's fascinating. No. But it is interesting. Now, if you spoke Klingon, you know that means perhaps today is a good day to die. Or you could just use a universal translator. We have devices that translate phrases into specific languages. Our only problem is the language has to be predetermined. But voice recognition is advancing considerably. Our computers just need the available data to translate with, so they're not universal just yet. Damn it, man, I'm a doctor, not a physicist. Help it, treat it. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. You're a healer, there's a patient. That's an order. Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a telemetry sensor. Well, actually, I'm neither, but Star Trek's tricorders could measure all things medical and environmental. Today, NASA actually has a handheld device called a LOCAD that measures unwanted microorganisms, and other handhelds help doctors examine blood flow and bacteria. Qualcomm even has a contest for the creation of an affordable, non-invasive handheld that can detect at least 15 medical conditions, like an elementary tricorder. Thank goodness. Goodness had nothing to do with it. Three to beam up. I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. We obviously now have video conferencing like they did on the Bridge of the Enterprise, but did you know that we're developing immersive telepresence kits that combine audio, video, and lighting, so it feels like we're in the same room with someone hundreds of miles away? And let me tell you, nothing feels better than saying, let them eat static, when the feed goes down on your boss's end of the call. They're requesting communication, sir. Let them eat static. Something's not right here. Did it was this man always standing right here? Even though Jordy LaForge was blind on Star Trek The Next Generation, his visor let him see through the electromagnetic spectrum. In 2005, scientists at Stanford implanted chips in blind rats that work very similar to that visor, processing light from glasses into signals to the brain. Fascinating. What? That is a human expression. Yes. Fascinating. Fascinating. So, what Star Trek technology do you most want to become real? Let us know in the comments, and check out our original list, 10 Star Trek technologies that actually came true, on HowStuffWorks.com, for everything from tractor beams to torpedo coffins. My name's Jonathan, and I have been, and always shall be, your friend.
Dalmok and Jalad at Tanagra. So as you can see from that, you know, quite a few, obviously, other Star Trek things that have become tech, uh, and it's just amazing. You know, one of, one of the simplest ones, think about uh, the automatic doors in the original series and later Trek, of course, that, uh, you know, keep in mind back when the original show came out in the 60s, you didn't really walk into most stores and have a door that just opened by itself, either with the push of a button or a sensor. That didn't really happen, didn't really exist, but now that's pretty common and, and almost required a lot of times due to, you know, handicapped issues and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and sensors on cars, you know, cars have gotten, we were talking about, I was talking about the uh, self-driving car thing, but there's a lot of aids on cars these days. I have a car that has a backup camera that I can see behind as I back up. And, and it actually has sort of a grid line pattern there to kind of help me back into a parking spot if I need to. Of course, they have cars that park themselves. They have cars that have sensors if you start to drift off the road a little bit, if you're nodding off as you're driving, something like that. Uh, sensors in general, for a variety of things and reasons, have become uh, very handy, very useful uh, sensors that detect your movement. I just installed... a. Uh, down into my basement into the Rico cave, I, I had one that kind of blew out on me a week or so ago, but I had a, I have an electric eye sensor that as I come down the stairs, it automatically turns on the lights as I come down to the basement. Just again, another example of a sensor uh, that, uh, that helps you do something. Um, there are all, all kinds of motion sensor devices out there now sensors for you know using those uh detecting motion for capturing uh images or or just sensing that something's nearby and turns on a light uh for protection for security purposes and and, and just a, a million things of course the trek that I, I the trek tech that i really want is warp drive and transporters especially transporters but there are you know quantum uh, physicists out there uh like like Sheldon Cooper on the Big Bang Theory, you know that that are uh, you know that are playing around with being able to to transport, you know particles, you know through quantum space, uh, and, and get them to come out at the other you know side of the the lab or whatever. And uh, whether you'd ever be able to beam a, a living being, you know, any any distance at all, you know, I guess if you can beam them, you know, a foot, could you beam them? Is distance uh necessary at that point would would you need just uh two interlocked uh, type of locations like say you had a beaming pad out uh, in detroit michigan and one in like paris france to receive is the distance immaterial at that point do you just need those two things linked uh when you beam out to beam in i don't know but um you know some of that stuff and i and i think it's good to have trek and, and tech and trek that is probably way way beyond anything in our lifetimes or or kids lifetimes or kids kids lifetimes will probably be able to achieve uh that's what makes it sci-fi you know traveling to distant stars i i think is is a distant dream i think there's you know i'm a big believer in tech and humans ability to invent and 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 create new things so Someday, I hope so. Uh, but uh, but until then, you got to do it the old-fashioned way with rockets and stuff. Uh, I've got one more uh, video that I found that looks kind of fun. Uh, this is uh, from a thing called What's the Big Deal on YouTube again. Uh, it's called Star Trek Tech Holodeck Tricorders and More. Uh, this is uh, a guy named Scott uh, talking about 
very specific uh, items that have been worked on by like Microsoft um, and so forth. Some of this stuff has been talked just a little bit about already by myself or some of these other clips, but this looked like a fun one. It's about three minutes, and I'll after this one, I'll come back and we'll kind of wrap up the uh, Trek talk for this week. Microsoft made a holodeck, some guy is trying to make a tricorder, and Bing is way too into Klingon. It's the Tech Feed Star Trek Spectacular. Jealous of all the cool tech in Star Trek? Well, now you don't have to be, because some of it may be available to you in the near future. Remember the holodeck from Star Trek The Next Generation? It was the room that let the crew travel anywhere and experience anything without leaving the Enterprise. It's also where Picard killed a couple of Borg in a 1920s nightclub with a Tommy gun. Well, just like Picard in First Contact, you too can experience shooting robots with a Tommy gun in a nightclub thanks to Microsoft's Illuma Room. The way Illuma Room works is by using a small wide-angle projector on, say, your coffee table that then projects the rest of the image that isn't on your television screen onto your entertainment center and adjacent walls. The result is a dizzying full frontal assault on your senses that puts you right into the action, especially when Illuma Room does things like warp your surroundings or pours a game out of the television and onto your floor, or does everything all at once. And while that's a huge pro for gamers wanting full immersion, it does need Kinect to make it happen, so, you know, there's that con. What say you, Captain Kirk, pro or con? Ham-fisted Star Trek references aside, Qualcomm and the XPRIZE Foundation have offered $10 million to anyone who can develop a real-life tricorder. For reference, the tricorder is a handheld medical device capable of diagnosing what's wrong with a patient in seconds. The tricorder Qualcomm is looking to find would be similar to a smartphone and able to record things like blood pressure, pulse, and temperature. Then, based on those vitals, it would be able to diagnose 15 different diseases. The contest is expected to reveal 10 semifinalist prototypes by 2014 and finalists by 20. 2015, and if you want to see one right now, watch this episode of Factor Fictional where Veronica Belmont checks out the Scanadu handheld medical device. But if you can't wait until 2015 for Star Trek tech to start infiltrating your life, you can start today by getting custom Star Trek email addresses at StarTrekEmail.com. The site offers three addresses, ToBoldlyGo.com, Starfleet.com, and USSEnterprise1701.com. And if you're really feeling saucy, Bing will translate all of your email text into Klingon. Yeah, that's apparently a thing now. They'll even translate into traditional Klingon Kronos text for the extra nerdy set. Are you guys gonna go see Star Trek Into Darkness this weekend? Let me know in the comments below. And for more tech feed, please subscribe to the channen. For TFN, I'm Scott Bromley saying Chapen Makdak Chaborachivmuch. I have no idea what I just said. I have no clue what I just said. Thanks, Bing. Yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, I wanted to update you, too, on uh, the, that Qualcomm uh, tricorder uh, thing or uh, $10 million challenge prize situation is still actually going on. If you go to tricorder.xprize.org, uh, right now they're into, according to this, from May 1st, 2015 to October 2015, they're in consumer testing of up to 10 finalist team solutions. So they're still working on this, uh, you know, tricorder, real life tricorder that can do what they want it to do up to 15 diseases or whatever. Uh, 
it's pretty cool. I mean, I like, uh, you know, that they get out there and, and try to get people uh, thinking and trying new things. I pulled out of my uh, display case over here my little uh, phaser remote that uh, really is just awesome. <laughs> it just... You know, this is uh, one of my favorite collectibles of the past few years. I, I, I still keep thinking about getting a uh, an, another one just as an extra to have around, but uh, I'm trying to... There's about like 10 different firing settings. That's kind of a different one. So, yeah, I, um, you know, and, and think about, uh, I didn't mention it earlier, but uh, think about what uh, you see on television movies a lot these days. I actually just saw it uh, in the Terminator Genesis movie at one point. They have, uh, you know, tasers. You know, they have a, not a phaser, they have a taser police carry around, you know, to uh, shoot electricity basically through little probes, wires that shoot out of the little gun, right? They, they shoot out at the person. They make contact, skin contact, and then they shoot an electrical charge to basically paralyze the person rather than having to shoot them. And, you know, they have these rubber bullets these days that, that you know, can, can knock someone down enough to, to get them uh, subdued, sort of like a stun effect, almost like the, you know, the stun effect on track. Same thing with the taser. Uh, a non-lethal way to to take a suspect or take a you know a bad uh, a bad guy down. So uh, when you don't have a batarang handy, right? <laughs> so I think that wraps up about what I wanted to say about Trek Tech. I mean, I, I've always been fascinated by technology and 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 gadgets and and the props from uh, Star Trek and and everything that it uh, you know Gene Roddenberry and other you know Waming Chang. And, and other creative people and, and, and a lot of people on TNG that came up with a lot of stuff. You know, th think about all the touch screens and touch panels and things, uh, view screens in TNG. You know, all their control panels were all touch, touch-based. They didn't click switches and buttons. And now, gosh, uh, you know, these days using a keyboard sometimes seems antiquated, right? Although I still love my keyboard and mouse. Uh, you'll never get it away from me. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I just, uh, a touch screen on an iPad is fine. On, on a computer that you're sitting at a desk, uh, no, I, I don't really want that. I, I want to have that feedback of that I've pressed a key or whatever. So um, I think that's it. Uh, one more short break here, and then I will come back and we'll wrap up uh, today's uh, podcast. This is Robert Picardo, the holographic doctor from Star Trek Voyager, saying hello to all the listeners of Treks in Sci-Fi. Okay, I hope everyone enjoyed this uh, look at Trek technology, uh, Trek tech, uh, and there's a, just a ton of stuff um, that uh, Star Trek has brought to us, and, and I'm, I'm always impressed and, and can't wait to see more interesting and new things uh, in a new Star Trek series at some point in time. All right, coming up on Treks in Sci-Fi, as I said, July 12th, next weekend, there won't be a podcast. Uh, that's going to be an off week, a rare, rare, no show at all week for me. I think that's only happened a couple times in the history of almost 10 years of doing the podcast, but I just can't really get a show out. Uh, I'm leaving on Saturday and I mean, I could have put a show up early or whatever, but I think I think I need a week off. So, uh, and even the guest hosts need a week off. On the nineteenth, we're going to have a guest host here, uh, guest cast. Uh, that's kind of a to be announced one. Uh, I think that should be done by the nineteenth, hopefully. And on the twenty sixth, 
I'm going to be back. Uh, that'll be the first time I'm back uh, after my trip, uh, but I'll be back on the 26th with a look at a Voyager episode called Imperfection, which is one of the later season episodes. I think six, I think, six or seven. But um, yeah, so that's what's coming up on uh, the rest of uh, July for Treks in Sci-Fi. I hope everyone's enjoying their summer, taking a little time off, relaxing, having some fun, I hope. Uh, I've been able to do a little of that, but not much yet. Uh, I try to just take a few days here or there. Might take a day off right before my trip to Europe and uh, going over to Germany. So if anyone listens in Germany, I'll be flying into Frankfurt next Sunday morning, I think. About a week from today, be there for about a week. See my buddy, who's uh, uh, I have a, a co uh, a colleague, I'll call it uh, someone else who works for the company that I do, who I I know is also a big geek. He, he was the guy that I was with. Thomas is his name in China about a year, a little more than a year ago, and I learned he was a huge geek as well. He does costuming and cosplay. Oh, speaking of costuming and cosplay. Two, conven- two uh, conventions that I wanted to mention that I, I've talked about briefly, but I will be at Wizard World in Chicago uh, at the end of August. I'm just going to go on Saturday, I think. And, of course, I will also be down with the Anomaly uh, folks in Austin, Texas, over Halloween weekend. I think it's the 30th and the 31st. It's a Friday, Saturday down there uh, in Austin in uh, at the end of October. So, um yeah, that's coming up and should be a lot of fun. So I, I think that's all I wanted to say. I a little bit shorter than normal podcast, but I think it was fun. And I hope you guys enjoyed the, the little Trek Attack discussion. <laughs> oh, 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 ow, ow, ow. <laughs> all right, guys. Oh, power cell drained. Uh-oh, I think I'm losing batteries. She's, she's upset. So... Uh, All right, uh, I'm going to get out of here and play with my phaser some more. Ooh, that didn't sound right. (laughs) Maybe I'll uh, put in a little Rick Moyer song here at the end for you guys. Yeah, that should be fun. All right, take care, everyone. Have a great uh, finish up your 4th of July, every uh, U.S. person out there. And I will talk to you again soon after I get back from Europe. Bye-bye.
This has been a Wego Dusty Podcast production.